Our Bible reading this morning uh, is from Exodus chapter 2, uh, starting at the beginning of chapter 2, uh, and Steve's actually asked that, uh, that we start a verse before uh, in the end of, of chapter 1, just to, to give us a bit of context for it. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of brushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant women and said, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Thank you, Nathan. After the uh, service today, we're going to uh, have an opportunity for prayer in the uh, prayer chapel. Um, soon after 11 o'clock, I guess, somewhere around there. Um, the, uh, the focus of that prayer time, I think, um, would be on families. And so if, you're, um, if you'd like to come and join us, praying for single parent families, for parents... Uh, families going through divorce, illness, disability, estrangement, financial pressures, any of those sorts of things. So if you'd like to come and join us, you're more than welcome. As Christians, due to the culture that we live in, it's important to keep a balance and a balanced perspective on how special or important we think we are. It's important to listen to the Lord, important to apply God's word to us. I think it's tempting often for us as we come uh, into a church setting like this, hear God's word and apply it to somebody else. Let's take a moment in prayer. Father, as we... Come to your word right now. We again thank you that you speak to us through your word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is within us. And we thank you that you want to speak into our lives, our hearts, our minds. Father, as we look into your word today, we do pray that we would be listening for your voice and applying your word to ourselves. Help us not to be thinking about our neighbour or somebody else, but applying your word into our, our situation, our life. And so we seek to do that right now as we ask it in Jesus' name, that he'll be glorified. 
Amen. So when we come to a story like this, I wonder where you see yourself in the story. As Moses. See yourself as Moses, the special one who God has his hand upon and will lead in special ways. We're told in scripture that we are special to the Lord, that, the, that God knows us intimately. He even knows how many hairs are on your head. That's how much he knows about you and he cares for you. He loves us. He cares for us. He is our good shepherd. And yes, Brian, you were thinking there's not too many hairs to count on my head. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 that God has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in Christ, having chosen us in him before the creation of of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined that we be adopted into his family. Aren't you feeling special? Do we have that sense that we are special in God's eyes? Perhaps if you're struggling with that, perhaps you're not struggling with, I'm special in my own eyes. I don't know. Or perhaps we see ourselves in the place of Moses' parents, the ones who face a dilemma, but God comes through and he solves all of their problems. Or perhaps you see yourself as Pharaoh's daughter. Well, don't all the young ladies want to see themselves as Pharaoh's daughter, a princess? And given a special opportunity by God in a very unique ministry. But as we as Nathan read that reading to us, I wonder if you noticed in the reading that almost everyone in the story is anonymous. They're not named. Moses' mother and father are not named. Moses' sister is not named, neither is Pharaoh, his daughter, nor his maidservant. And it's not until the very end of the account that the baby is given a name, Moses, and given the name by Pharaoh's daughter. We learn that Moses, later on, we learn that Moses' father was Amram, his mother Jochebed, and they had a daughter Miriam and a son Aaron, and then comes Moses. I doubt that they called him Moses, but Pharaoh's daughter did. So maybe you see yourself as one of the anonymous. If so, we still need to have a balanced view on how special and important we are to God. And at the moment, no matter how anonymous you might feel, you are a part of God's story of his redeeming grace. Most times we never really know how God may be using our obedience and faithfulness for his purposes. I doubt that any of the anonymous in this story knew what God was up to at all. But keeping a balance is really important particularly in our society today. Social media promotes that we are the most important people in the world. Isn't that what the world tells you? You are the most important person 
in the world. And if you're hooked into and addicted to much of the social media or the ways that we are being manipulated by our our culture, then we could well be being induced into the seven deadly sins. Our world promotes the view that we are at the centre of the universe and the world is there to serve us and to fulfil all of our wants and desires. We come to think that we are important Our views are important and our views, of course, are always correct and that others should listen to us, serve us. We often have an overinflated view of ourselves, much because of the way the culture speaks that into our lives constantly. And sadly and incorrectly, we take this view into the church. The church is there to serve us, isn't it? No, no. You are the church. You're there to serve. Other folk, however, do need to be reminded that they are loved, that they are created by a loving God for a purpose. They are not an accident. Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Moses was no accident. We don't know for sure, but he may not have been planned by his parents. But he was certainly planned by God. And his life's purpose was mapped out by God. You too have been created by Almighty God, wonderfully made. God had heard the cries of the Hebrew people as they were caught in slavery and oppression and God remembered his covenant with Abraham. He set about enacting a salvation plan. He wasn't going to raise up a foreign leader with a huge or another uh, country with greater military might To set the Hebrew people free, he's going to raise up somebody from within to display God's wisdom and power. You are not an accident. I don't know if anybody here has ever been told that you were an accident. You are no accident. No child that is born is an accident. God has planned you. And created you. You may not have been planned by your parents, but not by God. And God still wants to pour out his love into your life. His his purpose for you is to come to know him and his incredible depth of love for you. And you have been created for a purpose. And again, it was Paul who wrote in Ephesians, For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
So some of us might have an overinflated view of ourselves while others want to just remain anonymous. So consider for a moment Moses' parents. They must have been under extreme stress. Pharaoh had declared that any boy born to the Hebrews must be killed, thrown into the Nile. Can you imagine the months that were leading up to this baby's birth? Will it be a boy or a girl? Oh, I hope it's a girl. Ah, it's a boy. What can we do? How can we keep him quiet and hidden? All expectant Hebrew parents face this incredibly stressful time. They wanted to remain anonymous and they wanted their children to remain anonymous. And how many parents then dressed their boys in girls' clothes? Pharaoh had given an order for all his people to follow. Everyone had to follow this edict, not just the Hebrew midwives. If any Egyptian became aware of the birth of a Hebrew baby boy, they must be thrown into the Nile. Are you facing a stressful situation at the moment and just wonder, how can God be at work in this? Don't you long that God would speak to you through some burning bush, treat you as special and come quickly to your rescue? Could it be that God is granting you another opportunity to lean into him and to trust him all the more? Could it be that your stressful situation has been allowed by God so as to further your transformation into the likeness of his son. In the last stressful situation you found yourself in, how respectful, how peaceful, how joyful, how patient, gentle, loving, graceful were you? How much like Christ? Were you? No, we sang the song before, creating me a clean heart, and I want to be like you. Is that really what we're praying and hoping for as we sing those words? In faith, Moses' mother, she keeps her newborn son quiet for the first three months of his life, but as he gets older and louder, what can she do? As he starts to really find his voice, by faith she makes a basket out of reeds and coats it in tar, setting it afloat in the river Nile. But he's now vulnerable, perhaps less so than if she was to keep him at home. And she'll make sure that Miriam is keeping a watch on his safety. And as we know the story unfolds, Moses' mother is given permission by Pharaoh's daughter to continue to care for him until he's two and a half, three years old, and she is paid to do so. God, in his grace, provides for this family by 
granting Pharaoh's daughter a compassionate heart toward this baby boy. She disobeys a direct order from her father, who is in the position of God for the Egyptian people. She disobeys a direct order because her heart is filled with compassion. Moses is saved and the family doesn't grieve the loss of their baby boy. Mum can remain with her son for a time and watch him grow and they're financially better off. God did far more for them than they could have asked or imagined because Pharaoh's daughter had a heart of compassion. In the last stressful situation you found yourself in, how compassionate were you? And you know, God has done far more for you and for me than we could ever have imagined, than we could ever expect him to. And yet we do. We expect him to do so much more, much, much more. We expect him to heal all of our diseases, right all of our wrongs, make all things work together for our good according to our plans, our wishes, our desires. Why? Because for some reason we think that we are so special to God that he'll hear our prayers and do exactly what we ask of him. Consider next the parents of all of the other baby boys born at this time. Were their boys saved? No. There would have been many, if not most, who were killed due to Pharaoh's order. Were all of the baby boys who were under the age of two saved around the same time of Jesus' birth? No. Most would have been killed at Herod's command. Was this fair? Well, obviously it wasn't. How did the God-fearing, grieving parents of these children cope? God-fearing parents, how did they cope? Did they curse God? Did they declare that he was not with them and he had certainly failed Or did some of them see that their children were now home in glory? Often we don't help ourselves when we quote verses out of context. And we all quote this verse, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We love that verse and we quote it and we state that God works for the good of those who love him. But the good to which God is working is in, within the context of the very following verse, verse 29. And we often forget that. We don't go as far as verse 29. The good is to be conformed into the image of his son. Verse 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The good is being conformed into the likeness of Christ. 
Therefore, the moment that we become a Christian, God is working within our lives so that we might be like Jesus. He begins to shape and mould and contour us into the master's design. We're being remade from the inside out, being transformed into Jesus' likeness. And the way God does that is not always pleasant and comfortable. Like the rocks that are tumbling along the bottom of the river, slowly knocking off the rough edges. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. Yet with our overinflated view of ourselves and our importance, we know what's best. We know what's best for us and almost expect that we will know healing and prosperity and comfort and ease. And if you don't mind, God, could you please make it a little bit like heaven on earth for us? No, the good that God is talking about in Romans 8.28 talks about doesn't mean that everything will be good as we would like it. Good is being like Jesus. Jesus is love, is joy, is peace, is patient, is gentle, he's compassionate, he's grace, he's mercy, he's always humble. Who wouldn't want to be like Jesus? We're being recreated to emulate his character. Can you see how God is working his good into you? I trust you can look back and see that your character has changed, is changing. In the last stressful situation you found yourself in, how much like Jesus were you? And if the answer is not very, then you probably need to apologise and ask for forgiveness. God does work all things together for good so that we might be like Jesus. He doesn't eradicate sin nor its effect from this world, but he works with, within it. He works out his purposes in spite of it. And so we do live in a world where it is full of accidents and disease and trauma and terrorism and natural weather events that wreak havoc. Yet in spite of the chaos and the destruction, God is weaving in his plan and his will in the midst of it. He's working out his plan of salvation and through many of the struggles and the battles that we face, he's making us to be a little bit more like Jesus. And so unfortunately, when we come to a passage like this, this morning, we tend to put ourselves in the place of Moses or his parents rather than accept that they were the exception. God was working in a special and unique way through them to bring salvation to the many. He saved the one to save the many. But he was still with all of the others who loved him and called Upon him. He was still with them too. Was it really all a bed of roses for Moses' parents? I don't think so. He doesn't remain under mum's care. She had to give him up to Pharaoh's daughter. And so I wonder how often mum and dad wanted to get in touch with Moses to see how he's going. 
I wonder how concerned they were that their son was now taking on the teaching and the ideology of the Egyptian people as he's growing up. I wonder how grateful, yet how heartbroken they were that they couldn't be a part of their boy's growth and development. I wonder were they really grieving? We forget that. Did they see all the things that had worked together for good? So no matter what pharaohs you might be facing in your life, what stress what threats of stress, what tragedy or trauma. Do you have faith in God that God is at work in you and although you don't understand it, he's working out his plan of salvation and he's working toward transforming you into the image of Jesus. He predestined that. No matter what troubles you may be facing and struggling to walk through at the moment, you are a witness to those around about you, to the presence of God in your life. You could be being Christ in ways that you are mostly unaware of. Once again, in the last stressful situation you found yourself in, how much like Christ were you? It's important to keep a balanced perspective on how special or important we think we are. And a balanced perspective that leaves God in control. Working out his plan and his purposes. And a balanced perspective that holds that although this earthly life is what we experience now, this is just the preparation ground for eternity. So let us not hold too tightly onto this life, onto our hopes and dreams and expectations. Let's continue to pray and ask the Lord to make us more and more like his precious son, Jesus. Let's take a moment in prayer. Father, again, we thank you that you are with us in all of the situations that we face in life. And we do ask for forgiveness for those times when we have almost pointed the finger back at you and said, You've let us down. You're not doing your job. Father, you do love us and you do allow all circumstances in our lives so that we might be transformed into the image of Jesus, so that you would be glorified, so that others would notice Christ in us, so that you would build your church as a result. And so we thank you for who you are and the way that you work in our lives. Help us, Father, not to get our hopes and dreams and expectations too high on the priority list such that we don't see how you are at work within us. And so we commit ourselves to you afresh that you might be glorified in our lives as we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and sing together. Closing song that speaks of both the, uh, the good times but also the struggles that we face in life and the, the plan, really, the prayer that we would bless his name in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in.